Welcome to another episode of Linen Suit and Plastic Tie. If you haven't guessed it already, I am not Gorov, nor am I Kevin. I'm Sophia, a good friend of both Gorov and Kevin from our undergraduate years at UCLA. And tonight I'm going to be guest hosting this episode to turn things on their head and get a little bit more insight into Gorov and Kevin and where this podcast all started. And today we are joined by Sophia. And uh, um, hi. You're not <laughs> Sophia. I said hi, Sophia. I am also here. Apparently he is. But uh, I'll, I'll let Sophia tell you guys a little bit about herself. So, what is your story? What is my story? Well, as Kevin said, my name is Sophia. I am born and raised in Southern California into the world of entertainment, doing first professional theater, um, commercials, small movie roles, and performing in girl bands, um, lots of entertainment related things. And I absolutely hated it and realized that I hated the limelight by the time I was shocker, a a young teenager and (laughs) opted to get involved more with academia and sports and really found my niche there only to realize when I got to college that my wonderful 5'2 stature was not well suited for sports and I yet again had to pivot um, and found myself searching for a new identity as no longer, you know, this child actor, no longer a athlete, but really just honing in on education and realizing that without nothing else to fall back on. I had no idea what I wanted to do. So my college uh, career was much like, I think many young adults, which was me kind of floundering and hoping things would piece together. And as luck would have it, they kind of did. And I ended up graduating, uh, studied three different things, but I wouldn't have it any other way, um, including cognitive psychology, philosophy, and um, computing and turn that into a graduate degree in user experience and I'm having a ball with that presently and just about to wrap that up as I'm entering the workforce Um, and super excited to see what the future holds from there. But yeah, so I guess my story in a nutshell is I have no idea who my identity is and it shifts and is flexible all the time. So always having to pivot and find new ways to express myself to figure out who it is I am and what it is I want to do. We've talked about in the past, it's it's very interesting, this question that we start our episodes off with, with what is your story? And something we've talked about in the past was, it's so interesting how people decide how to frame their own stories, whether it's Mm -hmm. in a professional sense, whether it's in a personality sense, and you kind of framed it by your own identities. I think that's- Yeah, and I I think- One thing that's interesting to me is that I think every time I answer that question, it's something different. And I don't know if it's related to what's just been on my mind, but I do strongly believe that you can learn a lot about a person just from what they choose to share with you when they answer that question. It tells you a lot about what they value um, and how they kind of segment their life. And in talking to Gaurav and Kevin, 
outside of the podcast, I, I think I've often framed my life in terms of relationships and not necessarily romantic relationships, but just friendships or meaningful people that came into my life and how they shaped my life um, because people matter to me. And that's something that's still very true, but you know, you catch me on a different day and suddenly the way I'm segmenting my life is based on these major benchmark shifts where I went from, you know, defining myself as one type of person to another and how those shifts forced me to change um, who I was and how I looked at the world. And I, I would say that that's an equally important thing to me, but I think that tells you one that as people, we have multiple things we value. We value different things at different times based on our current frame of mind. But we also have the ability to pick and choose how we frame our stories. And there's a time and a place for every framing. And you have the power to shape the perception that people have of you and the impact that you leave on people based on the way you emphasize different things when you talk about your story or any story for that matter. I want to go back to what you were talking about, framing different stories for different times and how on different days you answer that question of what is your story differently. And I think that's such an important concept where how we value our life kind of spreads into answering that question and the environments when how we answer that question, whether it's a job interview, a date, a pitch or whatever, you frame mm -hmm. that question differently. And I think for me, I've always kind of framed that answer as a resume points versus relationships where you talked about more how you framed what is your story versus your relationship. I think I've always framed it as, well, this is where I was in high school. This is what I did in high school. This is where I was college, what I did, my job, dot, dot, dot. So I've always kind of framed my story, at least internally, as a resume point. And I think that comes from my kind of maybe competitive edge and my drive to improve my resume and do more things and learn new things. So I think it's interesting. And I'm curious about Kevin, how would you say you usually frame your story? I'm similar to you, Gaurav, in that regard. Um, as in, I, I would tend to look back into those uh, sort of accomplishment points where, you know, I, I got into this high school and then uh, UCLA and then now uh, MSBA at UCLA Anderson, kind of the, the traditional, you know, w what have you accomplished in the stuff that you're supposed to do. And for uh, most of my life so far, that was, you know, what I've achieved as a student. Um, and I guess part of that is uh, the kind of the environment I was accustomed to uh, growing up where uh, education is very much emphasized and you focus a lot on what you achieve academically and sometimes you are judged as a person largely on how well you, you do in your classes and tests. So I guess those are the things I tend to focus on when uh, I was looking back at what I've achieved um, and kind of going off tangent a little bit, doing this podcast is something that deviates from that uh, line of thinking. So uh, in that regard, it's a big step out of my comfort zone, I guess. 
to trying to enrich my story with something uh, I wouldn't traditionally think about as uh, something I, I would aim for accomplishing. Um, it's also a big step of my comfort zone in a lot of other regards, but I think th this is something that's really different that I'm doing. Some of you guys listening might not know this, but when this podcast got started, I learned that if Kevin could have any job that wasn't in his field of study, it would be a host or a personality, or, you know? So this, while he says this isn't up his alley, that might be true. He's stepping out of his comfort zone, but it's stepping into his wheelhouse into something that like really inspires him and he's passionate about. And I'd love to hear you guys talk a little bit more about that aspect of it. Kevin said why he was interested in getting into this podcast. And I've given away a little bit of his secret, if you will, in terms of his off the shelf can job that he would be interested in. What about you, Gaurav? You know, I think, for me, few things, I think I, one of the things I always often do, and I don't know if it's a pro or con, is I always, when I do things, I always want to quantify it, quantify the impact, show what I'm going to get about it, and kind of list it, this is what I'm going to learn. Because I, I center most of my life around learning. And so I think that was one of the biggest reasons I wanted to do this podcast was just to be able to, it was actually my New Year's resolution this year was to, learn as much as I can from everyone I can. Because I think everyone's story is so fascinating. And through recruiting and through new jobs and stuff, I've been doing a lot of networking and coffee chats. And the first thing everyone says to me is, well, my story is a little bit atypical. Because it's, which is so funny. And we talked about this in Tara's episode. There's a little plug, go listen to Tara's episode. Um, the idea that every, there's this, this kind of belief that everyone's journey is so linear when everyone's is different and fascinating. And I love the little things that people have done in their past that influence now. For example, Larry, in his episode, talked a lot about how his acting past influenced his career services past. So that's one of the biggest reasons I wanted to do this, just to talk to people and learn about how their stories influence now and how because they took that deviation or because they did this, they're so much better now. So that idea of everything that happens for a reason. Yeah, you know, Gaurav, you know I love that idiom, everything that happens for a reason. I think I say it to you probably once a week um, in some context or another. But what I, I think I want to talk a little bit more about is what you said in Tara's episode, thinking about how most of your coffee chats start with someone saying, well, you know, my story is a little bit different than what you normally hear. And I think that's funny, but almost for the opposite reason. Of course, I'm a psychologist, right? Most studies show that people think that they're one, above average, and two, different. Um, but if you look at anything from a statistical standpoint, that's not true, right? Not everyone can be above average and not everyone can be the anomaly. It's just, it's not the way it actually pans out. But what's interesting about that is that means that even in these cases, where things seem so different, there's underlying themes that connect everything and make a lot of us have shared experiences on some level. And I think that can be a really powerful tool. One thing that I think most people, at least for myself, you wanna stand out, you wanna seem different. And of course that's great, highlight 
the things that make you stand out, that make you special. But in order to form a relationship with someone, even if it's just over a coffee chat, there's power too in being able to see those lines and similarities and those themes and really draw those out. So I think there's two sides to that coin. Yeah, no, I mean, and to pull that back into storytelling a little bit, formulating your story through, and a lot of people just do this naturally, through similarities between someone, allows you to tell your story that's going to emotionally impact them because it's relatable. Mm -hmm. And it's so important, like if it's in an interview, using the right language, or if a coffee chat, and even like, you know, people, a huge networking tip everyone gets is go for your alumni. Go for people who graduated from your school. And just at a very base level, that's a similarity people heavily emphasize because they can relate to that class, they can relate to that school, and they're more likely to engage with you. It's such an important concept, finding those similarities so you can resonate a little bit stronger. Yeah, and I think, you know, there's so many different ways to do it. There's these opportunities, like you're saying, where it's just you have a shared institution or you have a shared hobby, whatever it is, something that's tangible. But then there's these other avenues where, you know, your story is a little bit atypical because you had this experience that wasn't really relevant, but it landed you a job here. And, you know, my story is a little bit atypical because I bounced around between all these very diverse fields. But if you can find abstract themes as well, I think you have the same amount of power. So there's so many different avenues and so many opportunities there to find and make connections with anyone you meet. And I think the fact that, you know, you're going outside of your comfort zone to do all these coffee chats and network is such a great tool just to practice that. And I think something that I should definitely take a page out of your book on at this point. I was just going to say, you know, with these coffee chats, it's so much brute force. It's been so interesting. You know, I think the biggest problem I have with like trying to schedule these coffee chats is they, there's kind of an assumption that I want something. I think no matter how I phrase it, and it's kind of like, oh, he wants to feel, oh, he wants this. And I think the more I've done them, I think the more I've done them, the less I've actually wanted something out of it. And also the more my phrasing has gone softer because I genuinely just want to talk to these people and kind of learn about their history because there's so much power in that. So, I mean, that would be my main tip for anyone is don't go into anything wanting anything. Just talk and see what happens. And it's why I don't really structure my coffee chats in a way where I have like 10 questions or something like that. I kind of have loose things I want to talk about and I kind of let it flow that way. Yeah, that's kind of a largely, um, I guess, largely the reason I said yes to doing this podcast when Gaurav brought this up uh, to me. Uh, Sophia knows Gaurav is very much of an extrovert and I'm very much not so. Um, but I view myself as this paradox in the way that while I'm a very introverted person and I don't have a lot of experience driving conversations, I really value connections with other people and I really want to get to know the other people. And I think uh, there's a lot of power in just knowing who people are and how what's their story how uh have they come to be so the the idea that uh, i'm able i will be able to build or develop connections with whoever i'll be talking to um and it can be done 
and it's it can be a continued effort uh, and a mission that we can continue to pursue. It was such an intriguing idea that I found it really hard to to hesitate or to reject. Usually, when I think about doing something, I the first thing I'll think about is how am I going to do this, and the next thing that comes to mind is uh, all the difficulties I'll have to come through. I got to do this, and I don't have a lot of experience in that, and um, all that sort of trail of thinking just uh, re- would result in me being too afraid of uh, failing, of not having enough experience to do uh, this task well, and I'll just end up not doing it and stick to what I know. Or uh, say, maybe I'll wait a bit and try to learn how to do it and then maybe come back to it. But more often than not, I don't come back to it. And for me, doing this podcast is kind of a transcendent experience uh, mindset-wise in that I'm saying yes first. I have no idea how to do a podcast. I have no idea how to reach out to guests, how to prepare the questions, how to drive the conversation while the episode is going, uh, how to market, how to build a brand. But I'm telling myself, this is something I'm going to do. So I'm going to jump in first and I'm going to figure it out afterwards. Well, how, how does that feel for you as a new experience? Um, I guess liberating in a lot of sense. It's definitely opening up. I guess opening up my mind on um, many other aspects of my life in, in terms of reaching out to opportunities and you know applying to internships while while this is like I guess the the most pressing matter at hand for me right now. Just you know I guess uh, being able to. Uh, reach out more and express myself more, uh, really understanding that maybe this challenge I'm, that, that I'm facing right now is not as intimidating as I thought it was. Um, so, yeah, liberating. To me, when you say that, it it definitely sounds like you've gained confidence, but what I like about it is that your confidence isn't driven by having this massively successful podcast. It wasn't that you jumped in head first and had a hit on your hand and were like, yeah, I feel great now. I have a ton of confidence because there was success. Your confidence instead was driven by you proving to yourself that you had the ability to try something new, follow through with it. And that in itself gave you the confidence to do it in other places. And I think that's, I don't want to go as far as, or as sad, but like, it's so inspiring, but in some ways, you know, that, that's a great story in itself. These, these little things that seem like nothing, I think have a lot of meaning behind them, especially when you think about how common I think it, of an experience it is to feel paralyzed by the possibility of not succeeding or not having a plan, especially for people like, Gorov and Kevin and I, who are all people that identify as being high achieving, that are fairly type A and very structured and very organized, um, not having a plan is scary in itself. And then you throw in the possibility of not succeeding 
And that's a whole new level of I'm not on board to do that sometimes. So testing yourself and finding these ways around it is in itself a great soundbite, I think. And it's organic. It's not, you know, something that you've tailored, but it's something that I think goes back to what was talked a lot about in Tara's episode, which is that even these things that seem so ordinary and so, you know, small really do have a lot of punch behind them. I mean, it's that that kind of fear of failure and not starting is fascinating, but exactly those small details that, that Taylor talked about was amazing. I think something that is hard for us to overcome, for Kevin and I, um, especially with this podcast, is we're both fairly perfectionists. I would say probably Kevin and even more than I am uh, are perfectionists. So going back to Taylor's episode, releasing that was really hard for us because it wasn't perfect especially with the audio and a lot of stuff. My mic was bad. Um, the audio levels were changing. But the way we recorded it, we couldn't really change much of that. And so that really, really bothered us. So we had a few options there, right? The, the, the first thing to remember there is something Kevin was talking about. Is we're not experts at this at all. And we could have spent months researching and learning and released a better first episode. That was definitely something we could have done. But this was an idea we were really excited about, and we really thought we would learn more by doing. So we just did it. That one of the options was, should we we record the whole thing? And we didn't because we felt that would be really inauthentic and against the story we're trying to tell. And the big story, overarching story of this, and we do this through top hat, we do this for learnings, we do this from uh, in every episode, is that we are learning alongside our listeners. We are learning how to become better storytellers. So releasing that episode was really hard for us from a fear of failure and perfectionist standpoint because it was rough. And we got better by the next episode. But that was our first footing. And what we really wanted to uh, accomplish is kind of abandoning uh, that idea that it has to be perfect or it has to be mm-hmm. successful for us to do it. And sticking with, we're just going to try and we're going to learn and we're going to be authentic about it. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to re-record and we're just going to move forward. Yeah, and I, I think there's also an aspect to releasing it in terms of not being afraid to even receive feedback, whether it's implicit based on the number of people that listen or it's explicit feedback that you get from those who have listened. I think sometimes that in itself can be scary. Sometimes we prefer to keep, especially more creative outlets private because there's a concern or a shyness about, oh, this is too personal. This is my work. What if people don't like it? And then you can't grow and you don't ever learn and you don't get better because you only have your perspective. And by releasing it, by putting the perfectionism aside, I'd imagine that you guys have, in fact, been able to get or grow more and learn more. Yeah, absolutely. And by releasing the imperfections, in our episodes out into the world, it's also a permanent record of where we needed to improve that we can always go back and refer to whenever we need to uh, reflect on uh, what we needed to learn or how far we've come. So I think by acknowledging that we're not going to be perfect and taken in a step further we are uh, keeping track of uh 
what we did, did wrong, what we need to improve in uh, every one of our episodes. We are trying to take that insecurity and turn it into a very empowering experience for ourselves. Kevin, you've shared a bit about what you've learned really about yourself through this process. Um, Goro, I'm curious, you know, your answer to that as well. You've talked a little bit about, you know, things that you've learned from the standpoint of the podcast itself and do's and don'ts and things about that. But what about you on a personal level? What have you seen as the big takeaways so far? Wow. That's such a, such an interesting question. I said, interesting. This is my problem. Everyone, as I stall to come up with an answer, I answer as my, like, it's like my, mm, uh, ums, you know, when people, when they talk and they answer questions, they, mm, um, I always respond with, it's an interesting question because these are all such interesting questions, but it's, it's very cliche. Anyways, to answer your question, what have I learned about myself? I, I keep wanting to, and I think this goes back to what I was saying earlier about like accomplishments and quantifying things. Cause I keep wanting to tell you the technical things I learned about doing a podcast. I want to tell you about what I learned about creating a social media community and my goals for the social media community. What I want to talk about the editing or the things. And this is where I want to answer these questions. And I think it comes from me being trained, maybe, maybe that interview mindset where to answer your question, I want to tell you facts and I want to tell you quantify instead of getting deeper into who I am, which is not the answer you're looking for. Um, I think that's something I'm doing to stall as I try to figure out what to say. <laughs> Was it apparent to you before you started this that one of the main ways you encapsulate your life is through almost like return on investment, whether it's your education or it's what you're able to accomplish at a certain place or what skills you're able to pick up? I think it's something I've, I've known for a while and I've known that it was maybe not always the healthiest and that kind of competitive aspect with resume point, achievement point. I've always, I've known for, I think for a while that it's not always the best way. Um, I think going, I think confidence through this podcast has been so important for me on an emotional level. Less about making the podcast as we see the podcast, just talking to these really successful and really interesting people. And we've had such a wide variety of guests and we have some really exciting people coming up. And even if they don't have like the biggest titles or even if they do, or they have interesting stories, I think that confidence fact that taking these detours and doing things you're interested in, um, doing things you're interested in, following passions, that can work. And I think that was that confidence aspect. It's like, okay, I don't have to do everything perfect. My resume, every single point doesn't have to be amazing. I don't need... A, I can have gaps, I can have mistakes, and I can still be successful instead of fighting this clock. I think that confidence aspect has been probably the biggest takeaway, and I really hope our listeners get that too, from understanding these winding roads and how people have become better storytellers and how storytelling to themselves is so important, not just storytelling to others. Yeah, and I remember both Wyatt and Larry um, kind of touched upon uh, the idea of you should be doing something that you genuinely want to do even if you're not necessarily being recognized or uh, being paid for the type of work you're putting in but you, you need to commit yourself to something 
that has a purpose you you yourself really uh, acknowledge and that's something you really can stick to doing and that will uh, ultimately keep it going i mean i think that that brings us to something i was curious to talk about um kevin and sophia i think you all three of us have kind of interesting degrees uh major wise and minor wise and i don't think any of us started school and i know sophia you touched on this but none of us started our four-year degrees with this framework in mind, right? This is what I was going to study. It's changed so many times for all of us. Kevin, what did you st- uh, enter college with? And I, of course, I know the answer to this, but our listeners don't. What did you enter? What degree or major did you enter college with? And how did that change in four years? And why are you happier with what you landed on? Yes. So for the people who don't know, I entered UCLA um, with a major in physics. And then... As soon as I got in, I had this idea that I wanted to uh, change my major into computer science because uh, that at the time, uh, computer science seemed like the way to go. But then that required me to maintain a really high GPA uh, to be able to get into uh, computer science major at UCLA, and that and. I ended up having a lot of stress and both Gaurav and Sophia probably remember all that. There were, there were times where I had full-on panic attacks. And then um, finally this day came where I realized definitively I could not maintain my grade to uh, that uh, required point for me to enter into computer science. So that kind of went out of the picture. But then uh, I stumbled upon uh, this other major uh, called linguistics and computer science. I had always been very interested in linguistics uh, because English is my second language. Uh, I was born and raised in China to the age of 18. So I spent the majority of my life living and breathing in a very different language. And then when I came here, uh, that changed completely. So... Uh, and I, I was embracing it. I was willing to, you know, look deeper into how languages are, what are the patterns in there. And then there was also obviously the computer science aspect of that. Um, so I found this major that combined my uh, kind of really personal interests and career interests. Um, so I end up at this major Um pretty smoothly. I did fairly well. um, And I really enjoy studying linguistics. And then I guess when it came to around junior or senior year, I realized that linguistics would probably remain a personal interest for me. It was very much fun to learn about, but I didn't see myself being a full-on scholar. And then I was kind of suggested to look into the field of data science, data analytics, and uh, uh, as well as the business application of those techniques. Um, so, and my uh, accumulated skill set in computer science and programming kind of allowed me to transition into this field. And I also liked the business aspect of things because. I think I'm ultimately 
a people person. At the end of the day, I want to be able to communicate with people. So that's sort of how I ended up doing a lot of internships, research experience uh, related, and then ended up at the business analytics program uh, at UCLA. And that was a really long story because I don't know how to keep things short, apparently. But uh, yeah, that, that's how I got here. It's fine. It can be as long as you want. You're the one editing this episode. So Ke- Kevin, do you, do you know what my biggest takeaway from that story was? Mm-hmm. What, that he never, he still to this day won't admit that he found computer science and linguistics because of me? Is that, is that your biggest takeaway? Because that's my biggest takeaway. Our stories are always going on. We talk about them as if we're going from point A to point B, but point B is in the future. And therefore, you're actively choosing where your story is going to go. You made a conscious decision that while linguistics was something that you were passionate about and you loved, you chose to go down one path and not the other. And in doing so, you changed your story, even though you did it proactively in the sense that that part of your story hadn't happened yet. There's all these little things where even those choices in and of themselves, I think goes back to what we were talking about, how stories tell so much more than just this narrative about what happened. It says a lot about you as a person and what you value. So telling things like that, you know, shares with me that you value people a lot. It's not that you don't like linguistics and don't want to spend your life doing it. You just want to do it in a way that you're impacting people directly rather than spending your life writing theoretical problems that may or probably will not ever be solved. I think the biggest reason I brought this up and wanted to talk about it was not because anyone listening would really get insane amount of how we made these decisions, why we made these decisions, but more about kind of an abject lesson of something that Taylor talked about a lot, something that Wyatt talked about a lot, and Larry even talked about too, that idea of discovering the why, going deep, understanding why we made these decisions is so important for us to tell our own stories and finding the reasons behind our decision-making, but also telling these stories out of the simple, something that isn't so exciting, like the majors I didn't take, but being able to explore that unique thing and still tell a compelling story is so important. And I think all those techniques were so interesting. And I, I think it's definitely an interesting exercise also to sit down and listen to how someone tells a story and pull out their values. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, not that I think anyone's going to really care why we chose this major versus this major, but I want them to listen and see how we tell our stories and how we put specific details and why we made those decisions and why it's important so that people can learn, I can tell a story of anything and still get something great out of it. So one thing that we haven't really talked about, which maybe is the elephant in the room, maybe it's not. How many times do you guys think we've said the word storytelling tonight? Maybe 100, 5,000, 5, somewhere, no, somewhere in that range. I you, say it way too often now. It's in most of my conversations. But um, do you guys have concerns like, that the content will become stale? What What do you plan to do on that front to keep things lively for the podcast? It's definitely a question that 
grow up and I ask ourselves, but we also think that everyone has a story and every story is unique. We're still hopeful that we still have a lot to learn about storytelling for quite some time, but also the story aspect that everyone has a unique story and we will surely be able to learn so much just from what people have experienced for themselves. Yeah, I think it comes back down to me. You can learn anything from anyone. And like, not even if, and the idea is we want to bring more people in and tell their stories and learn from their stories. And every story is so unique. There's so much you can learn. That's one aspect of it. Another aspect is the frameworks. But everyone has different examples of those frameworks and you can learn more and you can learn more and continue learning more. Another aspect is the idea that we are going to keep listening to everyone. We're going to listen to people's feedback, hearing what they want to learn about, learning about how stories are in this field and this field. So that's one big way we want to keep it fresh, by listening to the audience, seeing what they want to hear about, understanding that everyone's story is different and you can learn from anyone. But even bringing people back is something we've talked about, just to explore different fields more and things like that. Ultimately, it's a, it's a concern but I think as long as we keep listening to our audience, keep asking questions, keep learning how we can do better and do better, I think we can keep it fresh as long as we keep asking questions and keep listening. Yeah, you know, I think as both of you guys were talking, something that stood out to me, which it gets overlooked a lot, I think, just in our day-to-day life, is that we all live through so much. And sometimes we downplay it and say, oh, you know, I haven't really done much in my life. I'm pretty young. And yeah, if you're younger, you haven't done as much as someone who, you know, is aged well, so to speak. But we all have so many things that have occurred to us and have impacted our lives. And I think a lot of times we just forget to ask. And what you guys are doing is you're asking. And from that, we get to live other people's lives through their almost like home movie rewind. Here is Suspenders. So today's question is, is there something or some act that you've been thinking about for a long time of doing or achieving and why haven't you done it yet? Why haven't you tried it yet? What I love about when we ask these questions is that if you go first, um, you don't have to, uh, everyone else will get deeper. But <laughs> anyways, let's, I can go. Um, I want a dog. <laughs> I still haven't gotten a dog and Sophia's face here is amazing. I still haven't gotten a dog. And the reason I haven't done it was one, I didn't want to do it in college. And then when I graduated, I wanted to do it, but with COVID and everything that was going on, I kept pushing it back and now I'm going home for a bit. But I want a dog and I'm going to do it as soon as I get my full-on place and a full-on job and I'm living that adult life, I'm going to get a dog. And I think it'll be awesome. Sophia? (laughs) Are you waiting for me to tell you not to or you want me to answer the question? Well, you can do both. You can tell me your thoughts and answer. Well, my thoughts are going to get cut out anyways, so it's fine. (laughs) My thoughts are that you you should not get 
a dog because a dog means you have to feed said dog and you currently get restaurant food for like 50% of your meals. Not 50%. I can feed a dog. Also, a dog is a lot easier to feed than it is to feed yourself. <laughs> the dog argument is staying in. Yeah, so. <laughs> oh, man. Hi, Sophia. What is your answer? When I was in high school, something that I had a really natural knack for was creative writing. How thematic with storytelling, right? Um, and I've always kind of been drawn to the idea of attempting to do short stories of some nature. Maybe not short stories, but some some sort of writing and pursue authorship in some way, whether or not it went anywhere. And there's been times where I've started and promptly stopped and times where it's just been a passing thought, but it's never really been anything that I fully committed to. I think the closest I got to committing to it was probably back in May of this year, so 2020. And that was, I think, for where we're located geographically, probably the peak of isolation. And um, I think that probably is what drove me towards it. It was, you know what, it's time, you have an idea, just go, write your thoughts, let's see what happens. And that was promptly, I think, shut down because I work (laughs) and work got in the way of that and I I just let it slide. And I I think one day I'd I'd like to try. Hi, Kevin. Okay. This is where you see this is where you see the narcissist in, in me. Um and maybe it's because I've watched too much sports. But I've always pictured myself to be at the center of attention in some sort of spectacle. I don't know what that is yet. Hence I haven't found a way to of enacting it. But I do expect it to happen. See, this is why I shouldn't have gone first, because mine now seems not deep compared to yours. Um, I, I want to revise my answer. Not only do I want a dog, I want to start my own company and create my own product. I just want to put that in there, too, because you guys got really big. If you want to get big, that's my, like, goal goal. And um, I'm hoping I'm kind of we're kind of doing that with this pod. So, yeah, mine was not big, though, but. <laughs> I agree that you're doing it with your pod. For those of you who are listening, you do remember just about three minutes ago, Grav liked being the first answer just because he didn't have to go deep with his answer. But then I was concerned about it because then it wasn't too deep. See, here's the the complexity of how my mind works. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Sophia, for doing this with us. Yeah, Um, it's been fun. These, ep- these episodes are unique because we really want to get deeper into the meaning behind the podcast, deeper into what we've learned from these people, how we've gotten better as storytellers because of the people we've talked to. And we really got a chance to do this this week, and it was great to have someone really close to us to help us do that. Because Kevin and I have realized when we film stuff, just the two of us, we never get it done. We, we record, we start again, it, it gets crazy. So we need that uh, third party to help keep us grounded. So thank you so much for helping us out, Sophia. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. 
Okay, so I think we also want to end this with a challenge uh, to our listeners as something. What I what we want you to do is go ask people their story and then listen to how they frame it. Listen to the details they use, the themes they use, and see if that helps you understand what that person values. I think it's such an interesting exercise. And then ask yourself the question and see if you can frame it in different ways to discover more about yourself. What is your story and what power lies in your story? We encourage you to tell your own stories and learn other people's stories because we all have amazing stories and we're all worth being heard. This has been another episode of Linen Suit and Plastic Tie. We will see you next week. Have a good week, everyone. Thank you.